When I find that Christ is all I have, I find that he's all I need in Christ alone. That's where we stand, and that's where we will stand for eternity. And I need nothing. Uh, we'll look at the word today, the word plenty. <laughs> plenty simply means enough. I've got enough. You say, well, I got enough too after Christmas. I got more than I deserved, and I don't know what to do with half the stuff I got. So that tells you, you've got enough. Amen. I got plenty. And so, greatly blessed. But we are blessed in so many ways by just relationships that we have. Now, this past Wednesday, um, this one of the most beautiful people in my life, uh, her name's Nancy Jones. Uh, she uh, retired from Furman University. She was without education. She became just an expert in computer technology, and she was uh, the director of the mainframe out at Furman. You, you probably remember Nancy, don't you? Um, Nancy has always held a special place in my heart. Uh, she, uh, she was on the pastor search committee uh, that called me. I was doing a revival down in my home church, a place where I knew just about everybody, and I ran into her in the back hall, and I said, well, I don't believe I know you. And she says to me, she says, I'm, I'm Nancy Jones. I'm here to listen to you preach today because I'm part of a pastor search committee from uh, Forestville Baptist Church. And that began, to begin, uh, a relationship that uh, has blessed my life more than I could ever imagine. Uh, we took our first mission trip together as first of many uh, to Rio de Janeiro. And you know, it, it, it was just special. She was a great Bible teacher. She was a witness. She was in every uh, evangelism opportunity that we had through the years. Um, and she was just one of those people, her and her husband, he was a deacon in the church, and, and uh, you know, she, she was just one of those special spiritual people that, that I was able to relate to. And, and uh, uh, probably, Diane, I haven't related to anybody in a most, more spiritual relationship than what you and I have shared because there's one thing that I know about Diane. Uh, she's walking with the Lord every day, uh, and as she sends out those, uh, 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 those devotions to us day by day, uh, I just stand amazed at her ability to write and the ability to understand. And You know, Nancy was a lot that way. Uh, but she died. Uh, her funeral was, was on this past Wednesday. And I tell you all that um, to say that her husband uh, requested a song uh, for, for the service. And uh, the song was entitled The Unfinished Task. I had never heard it. So I went online to try to find it and found it. It's an old Hemp Hill song. I know you've heard through gospel music, the Hemp Hill family, and, and, but I had never heard that song. And I, I just said, hmm. So uh, I looked it up the day before the funeral, and then uh, uh, the young lady that was singing, Gwenna Buckner, she uh, said she had never heard that song, and so she had to learn it uh, for the service. But her husband had requested that, and... Um, if you get a chance, if you get a chance, 
try to find it somewhere. It's out there. It's on most of the music downloads, Amazon or whatever else type music you have. But um, it is one of the most amazing songs about the unfinished task that all of us have. And I, I thought about that song and I said, my goodness, it's New Year's Day and all of us are kind of looking at our lives and kind of wondering well, what God's going to do with us in 2023. And, and I would just say to all of you, there's an unfinished task. <laughs> if there were not some unfinished task, you wouldn't be here today. And, you, and, and the other thing that I would say about Nancy was she spent the last 12 years with Alzheimer's. She did not even know her husband. Um, but the day or so before she died, and I was, her and Jim were at her bedside, she, uh, she just, well, as soon as I began to talk to her, I could just see her eyes tearing up, and I'm thinking, she's, she said she didn't even know her husband for 12 years. And so I got ready to go, and I was just telling her goodbye because I knew it would be the last time I would ever see her. And she kind of cleared her throat, and then she tried to speak and was looking just straight into my eyes and was just, the tears were just coming. And Jim says to me, her husband, he says, Marshall, I think she's trying to talk. I said, Jim, I said, she's not trying to talk. She's talking. And we just don't understand it. You know, you just never know when God is going to, you know, God's going to do something special like that song, The Unfinished Task. And we had shared that task together, sharing the gospel from the community around the world and back. And that was the passion of her life. And they did that uh, Go Home Shouting, Vince Gill's song. And I thought, well, Nancy just went home shouting. And she'd finished her course, as Paul said about his own life, finished the race, uh, and left behind a world where the task remains unfinished. And that unfinished task is given to the church and given to each one of us individually. So I hope you all recognize when God is around and when God is at work and when God is able to bring so many things together at a moment of, of great sadness to a moment of great joy. Uh, to be able to be with someone that you genuinely love as a believer. Nothing more, nothing less. Someone you've served the Lord with across many years. And to know that they are passing on to you an unfinished task. And I've shared that with many people in this church over the last 10 years. Uh, I have sat at bedsides. And I have watched as they finish their course and left behind for us the unfinished task. Now, how do we go about that? What do we need to inspire us and to guide us and to direct us and to lead us as we, as we seek to accomplish something that is so much bigger than ourselves? 
Uh, I mean, when God, when God allowed you to be born again, when the Holy Spirit of God transformed your life, when, when, when you became a new creation and all of those old things passed away and everything was made new, um, you joined in the task. And, you know, it has blessed us in many ways. But primarily, it comes through faith on the one hand. That transforms our lives, and it comes through obedience. We become students of the Word. Faith comes through hearing, hearing through the Word of God. You need them both. You're not going to get through this world, and you're certainly not going to finish the task that God has given you unless you have tremendous faith and unless you stay steady in the Word of God. And you know, this is that time of year where we kind of tell ourselves, well, I, I just want to uh, maybe make some resolutions about my life and, and what I want to do in this coming year, and certainly I think that is true for me. Um, and so I went this morning, or I go this morning, to a very, very familiar passage. Uh, and I hope it's going to bless you as much as it has blessed me, as much as it has blessed countless numbers of believers uh, throughout the ages. Uh, and it's from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. I could just read verses 1 through 12 and sit down. But you know how I am. I want to make a few comments on it anyway. And I don't always start where it starts, but a lot of times I'll start right in the middle. And so if you go right in the middle of those 12 verses, you find verse 5 that says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now you think about how that has been fulfilled in your life. You see, when we talk about trust, we talk about, again, that faith and that obedience that comes together and brings us into a relationship with God that allows him to, uh, us to trust him above all other things. I'll tell you, there's not many things you can trust anymore. Only a few people you can trust. You can't trust the government. You can't trust the medical community. You can't trust anybody completely because they, they don't have all knowledge. <laughs> they don't have all of the understanding about your life, where you are and where you're going and where it's going to come to a conclusion, where you're going to finish the race, as Paul said. But he knew one thing. He knew that it was laid up for him, you know, <laughs> a crown of glory. And he says also that that crown is awaiting uh, all of those um, who love his returning, who are earnestly looking forward to the day when either Christ comes to receive us unto himself or whether all of a sudden we hear the shout of the angel and the trumpet blows and the sky spreads apart and Jesus returns and catches us up in the, in, in, in the clouds to be with him forever. One way or the other. And, 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 you know, we just, have to, we just have to say, look, well, how am I going to get through all of this? 
I'm going to get through this life. There's only one way you're going to get through it and, and really have any sense of the abundant life as you wait upon the eternal life, and that is to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And so this is really, these, these 12 verses are just resolutions, not just New Year, but every day, just resolutions that we need to hear, we need to understand, we need to make in order for that to be the reality of our own Christian experience. Now, what's interesting about these they do contain things that we are what God expects us to be obedient to. And most of these then uh, are things that once we understand them better that we have to follow them in faith. Now I just kind of went through my Bible and, 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 and so I just underlined, I should have done it a few weeks ago at Christmas, but Green and red, green and red, green and red, green and red, green and red. All through those 12 verses. My suggestion to you would be, if you already don't know most of these verses from heart or from memory, uh, that you start kind of thinking that way for maybe about a month. Just kind of get up in the morning and just read these 12 verses over and over and over again. And they are a beautiful challenge from God about how we get through this life. And how by looking unto God and by trusting Him that He's going to take care of everything in your life. And so let's just go back and take a look at what I'm talking about. Green. My child... Do, do not forget my word. <laughs> mm. How easy it is for us to forget the word. Now, thank goodness we have the Holy Spirit working in us, and, and so often that when we need it the most, suddenly a passage will just pop up in our minds and we won't forget it, but the Holy Spirit will remind us and bring it to our memory. But if you keep this in front of you, that's the way it starts. You know, if you're a child of God, just don't forget the Word. And let your heart, let your heart, it says, keep all that the Word says. You know, it's good to hear it. It's good not to forget it. And it's also blessed to keep that heart and to accomplish whatever it is, the unfinished task that God has given to each one of us. Hey, it might be with a grandchild. You know how I'm praying for little Dan. They let him read the Christmas story on Christmas Eve. After you read the Christmas story, he said to his mama, when I read the Bible, it makes me feel so good. Over 40 years, when I read the Bible, it makes me feel so good. No matter how bad I might feel otherwise, when I read the Word, when I can see it right in front of me, 
it makes me feel so good. Out of the mouth of babes. The only one of my grandchildren yet to follow Jesus Christ. But he's on the right path. And that's where it all begins. And what does it bring? Length of days. In other words, there'll be time for whatever you need. You ever go through that? You fail to maybe read your Bible like you ought to and and, and, and it just seems like that whole day's chaotic. And the reason you didn't read it was because you said you didn't have time to read it. God will always lengthen your days long enough to where you got time to read it. That's just your excuse. You stay in the Word, it'll lengthen your days, and you'll have a long life. What does long mean? As long as God wants it to be. <laughs> That's how long. And you'll have peace. So that's the way it begins. And then it jumps from the word to what we have experienced as believers. Verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Now mercy is basically forgiveness. And whether you are receiving the mercy or the forgiveness, or you are extending that forgiveness. And by the way, Jesus said, if you don't extend the forgiveness or the mercy, you can't receive the mercy and forgiveness. So he says, listen, don't forsake mercy. Forgive somebody today if you've got anybody that needs your forgiveness. Matter of fact, Nancy's son at the graveside. He said when he was 32 years old and Mike, I forget, you know, he's probably in almost 60 maybe. He said, I just got to he said, I just got to ask uh, you to forgive me. He said, what? He said, I've just had this thing in my heart for a long time. And he said that when he was 32, and I remember it. I was his pastor. I remember it. I remember praying with Nancy diligently about it. But uh, he had cancer. And he said, he said, when you came to visit and we sat down and talked, he said, you made me feel like I was going to die. Well, if I talk to anybody with cancer, I hope they understand that. It's pointing unto every one of us to die, and then the judgment. I mean, there's no way to escape that. I mean, you, you know, that's a strange thing to fault somebody for, especially a preacher. <laughs> we said all these years, 
all these years, he had, he had thought about how bad it made him, I made him feel because I convinced him he was going to die. And I said, you know, Michael, I said, I, I never had any idea, never had any clue. And sometimes when people say they forgive you and they tell you what they forgive you for and it makes you feel kind of bad, and I said, oh my goodness, did I really mess up then? No, I really didn't mess up then. I have messed up a lot, but I didn't mess up then. Because a 32-year-old young man who has every gift and ability thinks he's got this world by the tail. And the last thing he wants anybody to tell him is he's about to die. But in some ways, and he never went into all of that, it had impacted and transformed his life. So let not mercy and truth forsake you. The older I get, the more I am determined to live by truth. No mixture of truth. I don't care about it being mixed up and I don't care about little white lies and big orange lies. Amen, Ann? <laughs> uh, but, you know, the truth's the truth. You say, well, well it's not exactly. No, it is the truth. There is truth and there's untruth. And there's no middle ground, none whatsoever, in terms of a relationship with God. And so how do I decide? Is that up to me to decide or do I get to decide it for myself that I believe this is true or that's true or the other thing's true or somebody else doesn't believe like I believe? That's irrelevant. For me, it's got to be truth. It's got to be truth. And it's either going to be true or it's not going to be true. Now, if you noticed, I did say in the beginning of this, this part of the Scripture that as I grow older, <laughs> the older I get, the more determined I am that there is no middle ground when it comes to truth. And I don't think there is. Now, where am I going to discover that? I'm going to discover it in the pages of this book. I did not have to, when Southern Baptists went through their little uh, <clears throat> division here a few decades ago, I did not have to wrestle with that about whether the Bible was true or not, whether the Bible was inerrant, uh, you know, where, you know where, whether it was just a, a theological imagination of our lives or something we really wanted it to be. Well, you know, and some people say, well, you just, you see the Bible disproved all the time. You say, you do? I don't. I have never seen the Bible disproved not one time about any subject anywhere. And the more I have studied it, I have found it to always be true. Now, maybe you had not studied it enough, or maybe you had not read everything that Job wrote and some of his friends, but I'm going to tell you, but if you read the whole book, you find out it's true. And it's just as true today as it's ever been. And so we don't forsake truth. Either we believe it or we don't. Either it's true or it's not. Now, you may have a different opinion. That's fine. But I'm not in the business of opinion when it comes to what is true and what is untrue. Because not only have I read the book, but I have also had this book affirmed in my life over and over and over again through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is not going to lie to me. And the Lord Jesus, who speaks, is not going to lie to me. And so, therefore, I am protected as can possibly be when it comes to what is true and what is not. Now, I have opinions, <laughs> but I have grown less and less and less guided by opinions. And if you know me, I got some opinions. You know, opinions are like a lot of other things. We all got them. But we also have truth. And so Solomon writing to his son, you know, don't forsake. Do not let mercy and truth forsake you. Because again, if you, if you, if you ever move away from what is true about forgiveness or what Truth is about anything, the way, the truth, the life, anything it says about the Lord Jesus Christ, then you'll find all of a sudden it begins to forsake you. And all of a sudden you'll find a lifestyle that where things just don't seem to matter anymore. Because truth doesn't matter anymore. Because forgiveness does not matter anymore. Because love does not matter anymore. Because grace does not matter anymore. All of these things, they just don't matter anymore. I've been there. I've been there. I know how that works. But the Bible says, not that we don't forsake it necessarily, <laughs> but don't let it forsake you. Hold on to it. And then, what's the result? Verse 4, you find favor. I believe we were singing about that a little bit ago, wasn't we, Kevin? He amazes me with those songs. To find favor with God and with our fellow man. I tell you, you cannot ignore or you cannot allow forgiveness and, 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 and truth to forsake you and to believe for any slight moment that you're going to find favor with people in God based on the fact that those two things have forsaken you and you have forsaken them. It's not going to happen. And that brings us back to where we started. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Faith, obedience. It's got to trust in the Lord. Listen, there's just too many things. You know. Every test that you take down at the hospital and you get the results almost immediately and the doctor tells you the same thing and then a week later, you get a PET scan from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. And you've been kind of sick about what the first test said. And you get the second set of tests. And it's gone. Now, listen. Who am I going to trust? I love my doctor. He is a friend of mine. And I appreciate everything everybody does. But there's only one person you can trust in, and you better trust in him with all of your heart. And you'll see why at the very end of this sermon. So, 
It says here, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your understanding. And if I'm not going to lean on my own understanding of a guy who studied the word for, for, for 40 years, then I certainly am not going to lean on many other people's understanding either. They may be far greater preachers than me, but listen, I don't have to depend on their understanding of how everything is. God expects me to understand how everything is in my relationship with him and in terms of great things like forgiveness and mercy and, and, and grace and truth. <laughs> what was it? Was Peter that wrote, we've got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling? Hey, it's not an easy task the Lord has given us, but it is, it is something that we can do. Because he's given us his word, he's given us the power of prayer, he's given us the work of the Holy Spirit, he's given us unbelievable love for him and for one another. So you can trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and, 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 and you don't have to lean on your own understanding. Man, there's a lot of things in this world I don't understand. I really don't. I don't understand why Dabo Swinney can't run the ball when he knows he needs to run the ball. And it can just ruin my night because I can't understand it. But I get over it. Doesn't last long. <clears throat> but lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. You know, there's nothing can happen into your life that you don't need to acknowledge him and to try to discover what that's all about. I mean, and that's just not true today. I mean, that's looking all the way back. You know, people say, well, I'd like to change my life. I wouldn't go back one day because I can walk back through my life and I can acknowledge almost everything and understand it from the perspective that God wanted me to go through it. Try it sometime. Just start when you're little. Just start when you first remember things. You know? Why did I have to grow up on a farm? Oh, because that farm taught me so very much about life. And every part of life. Now, I'm not saying it's the perfect Thing. I'm just saying that I acknowledge that God put me exactly where I needed to be. He gave me parents that taught me the things that were most important. To hoe strawberries, to pick strawberries, and to sell strawberries if I wanted money. Now, did that affect my life? Sure it did. You don't work, you don't make money. <laughs> That's just the way it is. I mean, it's so many people that just grew up never having to work ethic. Hey, buddy, we work for every single thing we got. Whether it was T-bone steaks or fresh sausage or, or, or black-eyed peas. We worked for the things that we enjoyed in this life. So in all of your ways, 
whether we're talking about just spiritual things or not, but in all of your ways, acknowledge God and let him direct your path. Now, as most of you know, I plan on retiring on, uh, <clears throat> uh, on March the 12th. I say I plan because I may never get to March the 12th, and, and God may do something incredible before March the 12th. I don't know. Somebody said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to sit down in my recliner on the 13th, and I'm going to get me a clean sheet of typing paper, and I am going to get my Bible down beside me, and I'm say, okay, God, what, where, how, and when. And until he answers those four questions for me, I'm probably going to be sitting in that recliner for a long time watching Fox and Friends every morning. Amen? <laughs> but, hey, listen, you've got to follow God. You've got to acknowledge him in everything that occurs. And do not be wise in your own eyes. You know, um, Peter Marshall, I don't know if any of you know who he was. He was the uh, pastor for the Senate for a long time, a uh, great preacher. And, uh, and when he would pray, if, if you go back and look at some of his prayers, they, you know, they're just incredible prayers that he would pray. And, and this was one of them. And he said, Lord, um, where we are wrong, make us willing to change. And where we are right, make us easy to live with. Whew. <laughs> you know, there needs to be a lot of changing and a lot of humility in order to get through this life. In terms of all the ways that you acknowledge that which God has put before you. Do not be wise, verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. I do have a healthy fear of God. I have been chastised a few times. And I hope you have too, because if you go on down to verse 11, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. You delight in the Lord. You delight in the Lord, and he will give to you the desires of your heart. I just happened to jump ahead and get that verse out of place, but I couldn't resist. Because those two things go so close together. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. We've got to know the difference between good and evil. We've got to know the difference between darkness and light. We've got to know the difference between that which is right and that which is wrong to be able to ever understand and to live out that which God desires of us. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And, and, and the second part is kind of, <clears throat> for a guy that's been going through what I've been through going through the last years, a little bit, uh, requires a little bit more thought than most of the rest of this. It's not probably as clear as it might otherwise be, but it will be health to your flesh. Huh. I'm not worried about this flesh. I'm worried more about this flesh. You hear what I'm talking about? What is more frightening to me? 
What is more frightening to me is to get in the flesh and forget all about who God is and all about what God has done and all about what God wants for my life. Listen, that is the most fearful thing in all of the world. What was it that David said? Uh, oh, please, Lord, as he prayed in there in, uh, in, in, in uh, Psalm 51, please, oh, Lord, do not take your hand from me. Because you can't resist the flesh if the Lord takes his hand from you. And that's a very dangerous thing in this world in which we live today. And so he says, he says, if you can, if you can uh, uh, not be wise in your own eyes, you'll fear the Lord, you depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh. You can win spiritual victories. Hey, something's going to get you somehow, somewhere. And strength to your bones. I tell people a lot of times, probably told some of you along the way, the one thing you need to pray for in your life is comfort and strength. I like to be comfortable. And I like to have the strength to get through whatever it is the Lord puts in front of me. Can't ask for much more than that. Just comfort and strength. And that doesn't mean we're not going to suffer. It just simply means there's comfort available to us because we're the children of God. And so we see there that the word just continues to unfold before us. Honor the Lord, verse 9, with your possessions. Whatever you got, they're not yours. <laughs> they really are his. And he gave them to you as a good steward. And the Bible says we all need to be good stewards. But whatever you have, it is given to you to use for his glory. And a part of that is by blessing your life. So he says, honor the Lord with your possessions, whatever you got. Whatever you got. Peg Lee drives a new Toyota. I drive an old truck. I wouldn't trade with her. I need my truck far more than I need that new Toyota. She needs that new, truck, new Toyota far more than she needs my old truck. You know, that's just what we got. And I wouldn't like a new truck. You know, because if I had a new truck, I couldn't use the old truck the way I use the truck. You see, God is just so amazing. And for, for the last 417,000 miles, the old truck has been just Just saying, you know. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Pegley asked me this morning. <laughs> she says, Marshall, do I just write this check for our regular tithe? I said, no. Heavens, no. I can't remember the last time. I tithe over the last two or three weeks. Of course, I don't remember much anyway, but, you know, hey, listen, we got to figure this thing out. I don't want to be walking along and fall in a pothole. So, no, we're not going to just write because I don't remember and she doesn't remember and we don't even hardly remember how long it's been. So just write more than you think. And everything will be all right. And you say, well, preacher, you're just starting to boast now. I'm not boasting. I have lived my life that way for the last 40 years. For the last 40 years, that's the way I've lived my life. 
And guess what happened? Your barns will be filled with plenty. Now I mentioned that earlier. You know what plenty means? Enough. There's always been enough. Not that I didn't get concerned at times. It's kind of like I told Chris. You know, he's been a little concerned about how much money is in our accounts. And rightfully so. That's a part of being the lead pastor. <laughs> Praise God. It's him and not me anymore. But I told Chris this. I said, Chris, and then he tells me, I said, it looks like it's going to snow on Christmas Eve. I, 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 I just sent him a text and I said, Chris, the Lord had taught me a long time ago. I am not to be worried about what falls from the sky nor what falls into the offering plate. And that's all I said. Sin. <laughs> hey, the, the quicker you learn that, the happier and more content your life is going to be. Because trust me, there's always plenty. God's got plenty. There's always enough. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Throughout the scripture, there is an understanding. New wine brings great joy. And what's a vat? A vat is a keg. A big keg. And your heart in God's sight is a big keg where there is always more than enough joy when you are faithful to what God says. And I close, I'm going to skip verse 11 because I've already shared that, but go to verse 12 and we'll finish up. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Now, what does it mean to correct? It means, as Peter Marshall said, uh, you know, where we're wrong, let's be willing to change and change quickly. I mean, you can't change quick enough. I get a little fearful when I go two weeks or miss a tithe. <laughs> you say, surely not. Oh, no, I've got a healthy fear of God. It don't take God long to shake my financial world up. And chances are that's true of some of you, too. So do not despise the chastening of the Lord if that comes, nor detest or resist his correction, because he will correct you. So he does not have to chasten you. For whom the Lord loves, taught in the Old Testament and in the New, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the child in whom he delights. If you delight in the Lord, he will give to you all of the desires of your heart. And this passage, if you don't forget the word, that's where it's starting. If you don't forget the word, and you just lived by what we've just talked about today, it's going to be a glorious life. It's going to be a far more abundant life 
than anything you can even imagine. And so there's nothing wrong with a few New Year's Day resolutions. And you might want to just try reading these verses day by day for a while until all of a sudden you remember them. And you remember them because you don't ever want to forget them. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good to us. Lord, not only do you whisper through your Holy Spirit, but Lord, you've written it down. You've written it all down. And even when some of us grow old and forgetful, Lord, we're thankful even for the reminders. We're thankful even for the chastening. We're thankful even to be able to tell the difference between what is right and what is wrong. So Lord, you've got the perfect plan for us if we're willing to follow it. Because Lord, you love us more than we love ourselves. (laughs) And Lord, your love is unconditional and it's never ending. Lord, we will discover that quickly when we listen to these words of Solomon to his child. And we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen.